Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. And it's, I'm going to first apologize because I'm going to kind of snuffle and stiff my way through because living in Ohio, we are blessed with wonderful allergies and sinus issues. Hallelujah. Amen. That's not the sermon. It's just the curse of the devil. Well, it's kind of funny because uh, over the past few weeks, Pastor Tom has been talking about the treasures on the mountain, talking about the mountaintop and climbing up there. And, and uh, we've been, uh, when, when Tom uh, told me he was going on vacation, he says, uh, you know, go ahead and just teach on anything you want. <laughs> that's just dangerous, man. And I said, well, okay, that's permission. You know, I'm just saying and, uh, and the funny thing was, I, I, I totally had this really awesome teaching. I, I always do this. I know I always do. I had this awesome teaching all ready to go a couple weeks ago. And last week, I'm sitting in service uh, back there. And man, I just felt like God just said, you know, it's time to go back to the mountain again. And I had already sent my stuff to Mike and said, hey, this is what we're going to be teaching on. And, and, and I don't know if you just didn't get the email or you ignored me, which is cool, because there's all kind of mountain songs here. And that was just awesome. So today, we're going back up to the mountain, okay? And, uh, and today I want to let you know that uh, the mountain isn't always easy. You know, sometimes the mountain gets a little bit hard. And if you've ever read the book of Exodus and you see Moses going up to the mountain to meet with God, it's not quite like Charlton Heston did in the movie where he goes up and like five minutes later he comes down. This was a labor. This was a, a mountain. This wasn't a bump or a hill, and sometimes that mountain gets a little bit hard. And one of the things I, I love about the way Jesus taught is he taught in a lot of parables, a lot of stories uh, that, that usually had a couple different meanings. And so today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you one of my parables, one of my stories. And so if you bear with me, I just want to share a mountaintop experience that I had uh, personally. And, uh, and so I've got three wonderful guy friends, and their names are Tim Earl and Fred, and believe it or not, that is their names. That's not stuff I just made up. But uh, Tim, Earl, and Fred, and Tony went on an adventure to Montana, Logan Pass, and the Continental Divide in Glacier National Park. It's uh, 6,600 plus feet, which to me might as well be a million because I am terrified of heights. I didn't realize how scared I was of heights until I, I was on this trip. And so we decide, you know, we're, we're guys, right? Mm, you know? So we decide we're going to go out there for a week. This is seven years ago, 2006, summer. It was July. And we're going to go out. And uh, our friend Fred had been there before he walked this. He says, it's a great path. It's a level one out of five. Uh, three's got to be Mount Everest. I'm, if this was a one, I'm just going to say that right now. So it's level one. We can do it. It'd be great. So we had our full packs because we went up and we camped and we, you know, had all everything with us. And, uh, and so we, we, we plan this out and we go out there and we park our car at the Logan Pass uh, parking spot visitor center and go in, find out if there's anything we need. And, and it's about a 7.6 mile hike and it's a, a vertical ascent of, of 500 feet, which isn't a ton, but it's a lot. And, uh, and there was a freak heat wave that year where it was 92 degrees in the mountains. And, and when you're at like 6,000 feet, you're like that far from the sun. I mean, it, it was like, you know, I mean, I'm like, yeah. So anyway, we go out and the four of us start hiking. And the first thing we do is we come around the corner to this. It was beautiful. These are called glacier lilies. It was like the sound of music. I was waiting for Julie Andrews to come running around singing Edelweiss. 
It was amazing. I'm going, okay, you know what? I can do this. This is gorgeous. This is beautiful. It was a beautiful, sunny day. It was wonderful. Sure, we're sweating our behinds off, but, you know, we're ready to go. And it was just wonderful. And, the, and it was a little scary. It was a little high, but I'm like, okay, I can do this. Well, then we kind of turned the corner to this. And it went from like angels and butterflies to like Satan, you know? I mean, it was like, ah! And, and this, is, this is called the High Line Trail, which is where we were. So we went literally from that meadow. I'm not even kidding. We went around the corner to this. And it's about a 32-inch path. And that, that green thing, can you go back to that other one uh, real quick? There. That green thing you see is actually a garden hose with a wire running through it. That's all you got. There's no... There's no carabiners, there's no harnesses, no nothing. And, and there's, there's like death, okay? So, so we're, you know, I mean, I've got the gear. I've got the, the cool backpack. I've got the like hiking poles and stuff. And I got my sunglasses on. And, and this is, seriously, you know, you're this close and the rock face kind of comes up like this. So you're kind of walking like this and holding on to that green thing. I was like, oh, and I was terrified. And, and uh, it was actually kind of funny because I, I lost it. I completely just lost it. My stomach fell out. I thought I was going to throw up. Sorry, I hate to say that on a Sunday morning, but I was going to. And uh, my friends said, okay, you know, Earl and, and Fred, we'll go ahead of you and Tim will, will follow you. And we'll make sure you're okay. That was cool. It didn't help because there was like death. But it was very nice. It was wonderful. It was knowing that at least I could drag one of them to, to their death with me. Preferably Fred. He was the one that arranged a trip. So we come around the corner after making our way. Now this was about 150 feet of walking like this. We made our way to this next path, which is right. See that little tiny line in the mountain? That's the path. There were like bighorn sheep out there, which were, by the way, beautiful, that were going, yeah, I ain't doing that. Okay? They did. did, did, But it it was wild. And and these actually, the funny part about these pictures is the way I took these is I kept my camera in the top of my pack. And I was so afraid I would take my camera out and do this. I've got like a thousand pictures of like my shoe of the sun. I got like eight really good pictures and they're up here today. But seriously, I was terrified. And, and the guys who were around me are going, oh my goodness, look at this mountain majesty. Let's go to the next one real quick. I mean, it was gorgeous. They're like, look at the mat. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And I'm going, yeah, this is great. I am, I, I am having an anxiety attack. I'm sweating profusely. I'm so sick to my stomach. I can barely stand up anymore. And, and, and I, I knew that that was when Jesus was going to take me. Or I was kind of hoping he would, you know, at that point. And I came to the point where I went, okay, God, you got to show up. I am terrified. I am just terrified here. I don't know what to do. And, you know, you hear stories about people who who, you know, get in these situations and they pray and God shows up and their fear is relieved or they have superhuman strength and they can lift a car off a kid or something, right? You know, God, I, I was still scared. I was terrified. And I'm praying the whole way. Seriously, I've never prayed continually like this before. I'm starting to get what Paul was saying when he said pray continually. 
And I'm on that path, and I'm just digging in, just going, oh, dear Jesus, please don't let me die. Oh, dear Jesus, please. I, I really am. It was horrible. Sweat is just coming off of me. And the guys were pretty sure I was going to have a heart attack and die on the mountain and have to carry me back down. Which at that point, we're like a 1,000 feet up. Just roll me off, you know? <laughs> ashes to ashes. There you go, buddy. It was the worst day of my life. And I was so angry because God never showed up, at least in my heart, in my opinion. I was like, God, where are you? So then God brought to mind this this scripture, uh, as he so wonderfully does, Psalm 121. And just the first couple verses, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Let me tell you what, I was screaming that. Okay, my eyes are on the mountain. Where are you? Please. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The mountain doesn't always look like you expect it to. I mean, I thought, okay. I mean, you see stuff on TV. People are walking across the crest of the mountain, you know, and stuff. There's that one commercial. Scares. I can't even watch the commercial. It's like the lady who goes up on the rock, and there's like a rock like a bajillion feet up, and she's like, I'm like, you know, you just need to die. I mean, it's, I mean. I know I shouldn't wish that on anyone, but the the worst part, and and here's the worst part, to kind of rub salt in the wounds, we're on this path right here, see it going around the ridge, so if you kind of start rolling, you're just, you're gone, I'm going, are these people crazy, and they're joggers, I'm like up against the hill doing this, and they're joggers, excuse me, coming through, (laughs) first of all, hey, you shouldn't jog, I mean, that's it. Second of all, I just kind of want to be like, bye. <laughs> don't, don't take my path, you know. And the worst part, well, there are people up there with little kids, and the little kid's like. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, get your kid, there's death. I'm scared for the kid, man. He's like, hey. It was terrifying. I'm like, a four-year-old can do this. I'm a grown man. What's wrong with me? And I kept praying, God, please show up. We finally got to the glacier, Glacier Park. We had to dig in. That's me on the left there saying, Howie, I made it. Um, My buddy Tim. And uh, 150 feet across of ice and snow. And the drag was, if you slip on a glacier, you're going all the way down. I mean, it's like the zoom flume from heck. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you just go. You don't stop till you're at the bottom. And I dug in. Actually, the kind of funny thing, uh, I dug in, and I'm I'm just kind of walking like this. I got my sunglasses on my face down and everything, and I'm I'm kind of testing the snow, you know, because you see those those History Channel things and Discovery Channel where people are like Mount Everest and they fall in a crevasse and they die and stuff. I mean, like Montana, the, cre- the crevices are like this big and this deep. You know, I could die in that thing. I knew it could happen. And so we get through this glacier and there I am. You, you got to just imagine, I'm sitting there and I've got my gear on, I've got my sunglasses, I, I'm just digging through, I'm testing. Lady passes us and Tim was in back of us and he hears her say to her friend, Oh, did you see that blind man out here? <laughs> I would have been thankful to be blind. I tell you what, I really would have. So after six hours on the side of this mountain, 
Six of the longest hours of my life. We finally made it to this little chalet, which was just a big building, very bare at sunset, um, which was nice because you can't see the death cliffs when it gets dark. And and we kind of sat there and we had our dinner and uh, just talked a little bit. We were meeting with some of the other people that were stupid enough to walk up there. And uh, they're like, this is the coolest thing ever. I'm like, you people are insane. And I sat there, and, and I know I was just completely pale. I, I was just, I had every bit of blood was, was no longer anywhere near my head. And Fred looked across at me, and he says, I know this was really hard. I know you said this was just your worst day ever, but aren't you glad you at least overcame it? And I said, no. I am straight. I said, Fred, I know I should be, but I got to go back. I got to get down off the mountain. So we went to bed that night, and I was up all night. I've never had nightmares before. I was up all night, nightmare after nightmare after nightmare, falling off these stupid cliffs. And, and And I sat in my bed, and I prayed, God. Why are you not here? Why have you not taken this from me yet? What's going on? I feel like you've abandoned me. At one point in the, in the middle of the night, my friend Earl got up to use the restroom. He said it was about 3, 3.30 in the morning, and I was just sitting in, in my bunk like this. And, uh, and he said, are you okay? Oh, I don't really remember the conversation, but he told me about it. He said, and I said, yeah, I'm just, I'm just praying. And uh, we did find out the next morning we were, we were having breakfast at the little chalet place. And one of the guys who, who was a caretaker there said, well, you know, there's another way down the mountain. I said, if it's an escalator, I'm in. <laughs> he says, well, no, there's, there's actually one that goes down through the tree line. Now, I can dig tree line. I can be however thousand miles up if there's like a rail, like what normal human beings would have in their life, or trees. Because you, you, you fall, you hit a tree, you're done, right? You know, it's, it's big. You know, I mean, like, I mean, like the tree's right there. You're not going to roll any further. And I'm like, you know what? I'm in. He said, well, there's one issue about that, that, that trail going down. And I said, well, what's the issue? He says, well, it goes through Bear Meadow. And right now, the black bears and the grizzly bears are out. I said, I don't care. I, did, I really didn't. I would rather face a grizzly bear than that mountain. And, and Tim, my, my one friend who I showed you before, he, uh, God bless his heart, was, was probably in the, even in worse shape than I was, which was amazing, um, and uh, decided that he would go down with me because it, it was downhill, which was good um, at that point. And we walked down through the tree line, and the other two guys went back the same way. Logan passed the High Line Trail. And uh, we made our way down. There was one point where we got to this opening, and there was this huge rock that had broken away. And there's about a three-foot jump on a path that's about two and a half feet wide. And, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm paralyzed there. I don't even know what to do. And, and, and again, this whole time I'm just praying, okay, God, thank you for giving us trees, but I, I want to go home. And, and I got there, and, and I just did. I mean, I just, I just jumped. And I made it. I'm like, here. Um, and, and we got down off, the, off of the trail, and, and we got the little shuttle bus back to the, um, back to the little place where we started. And uh, right after we got back, the t- other two guys were still out on the trail. They got to that point where that little hose was, and a thunderstorm hit. Boom. 
And Tim and I just sat there and we prayed and prayed for Earl and Fred. And, and they did. They got back okay. It was fine. But the whole point of this, the whole point I'm telling you this is there, there are just times where that mountain gets really hard. Where you feel like your prayers are just falling just short of God's ear. And you're not alone. It happens. I want to share with you another story about a guy named John. And uh, some people call him John the Baptist. Or John the Baptizer. Anybody ever heard of him? Well, John was in a situation where he was uh, in jail. In fact, shortly after he baptized Jesus, he was put in jail. Because uh, he's one of those, those crazy rebel rousers, you know, who love Jesus and love God and all that. And so, so Herod, uh, who's a tetrarch there of Judea, put him in jail. And so uh, this is what happened. If you want to follow along, it's Matthew 14, 3 through 12. It's going to be up here. And um, now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. His sister-in-law, right? For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered him a prophet. So let me set this up. You got Herod. Herod thinks his brother's wife is kind of hot and wants to marry her. But, dang it right, you can't do that in the eyes of God. That's just wrong. Now, as a tetrarch, he could do that. He was the guy. He was the man. He could say, I could have anything I want. But John came out against him and said, no. And because John was considered a prophet and very popular in Judea, he didn't want to come against him. So that's kind of the backstory there. So what happened? On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for them and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath. Now that's big stuff in, in, in old-time Israel. You give someone your oath, that is a sealed bond. You do not. You do not come back and then go, oh, my bad, I was, you know, crazy what was i thinking right but gave her to give her whatever she wanted prompted by her mother she said give me here on a platter the head of john the baptist i don't know how old this kid was that's a wicked little girl man i'm just saying that's that's not in the bible that's just my commentary so the king was distressed but because of his oath and his dinner guest in other words the witnesses to his oath he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. And then they went and told Jesus. Well, shortly after that, we read that Jesus was very distressed. He went to be alone. A bunch of people followed him and then he fed them. Another very famous story. Jesus didn't let some of these things stand in the way. He grieved. He took his time alone. He went on. So where was Jesus, though? Why didn't Jesus come to the... This is John. This is the guy that baptized him. This is the guy that John, while he was in Elizabeth's womb, and Mary came to the house, leapt. Even as a fetus in the womb, he knew who the Savior was. He was the first one that identified Jesus. When Jesus came to the river to be baptized, to start his ministry... John said, behold the Lamb of God. He identified him before anyone else knew who he was. He was the man. But this is what happened a little bit earlier. Let's, let's back up a little bit uh, to, to Matthew 11, 2 through 6. Because uh, John, here's John in prison, and he heard that Christ was around. He heard that Jesus was, was around. And 
says this, when John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come? Think about that right there. Let's just, let's just back up for a minute. Before he was even born, John knew he was the one. John knew that Jesus was the Lamb of God. And here his faith is wavering. He's questioning a little bit. Hey, are you really the one? And, uh, or should we expect someone else? I just don't know. I'm in prison here. Help me out. Help a brother out, please. Jesus replied this. I love this because Jesus didn't say, you know what? I am the one. Remember back on the river when we did this and then you said, yeah, behold the Lamb of God. And when you're in your mom's womb, you jumped and stuff. He didn't say that. He didn't go back. He said this. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind have received sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. That's some good news. He didn't say, John, I know who you are, brother. I will be there. Give me like five minutes. I'll be there. Give me a couple days and I'll be there. He says, hey, you did what you were called to do and you still are, but I got to do what I'm called to do. Can you imagine how John felt as he's in that prison cell? This is Jesus. This is, this is my brother. This is my, my friend. And he's not coming to rescue me. And I felt the same way out on that stupid mountain in Montana. Where are you, God? Where are you? And I realized that God was, was teaching me something. And uh, one is that when we pray, your will be done... He understands that, but we need to understand it too. It goes into uh, what we call sovereignty, the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. We've heard that before. Well, this is what the word sovereign means. It means being above all others in character, importance, excellence, power, and authority. It's autonomous, independent, crowned head monarch. God doesn't have to play with what's fair to us. Sometimes we go, well, it's not fair, God. It is fair. I I remember hearing someone say, well, you know what? God's not fair. God is absolutely fair, but he's also sovereign. And we may not think it's fair, and we may not like it, but he's in control. God knows what's best. When I was was a kid, and I I, I told the story before. I'm going to tell it just real quick again because it's so pertinent here. Uh, I told the story, I think my first sermon, about the white rat I own named, named Alan. And Alan, uh, her, her whole purpose was to get, yeah, as Alan is a her. Uh, that was not a slip of the pronouns. Um, her whole purpose was to get out of her cage. That's all she wanted to do. Sat there at, at the corners, nibbling and digging, get out of that cage. That's all she did. That was her job. And all my dog's job was to sit at the bottom of her cage going, come on. Get on out of there. I knew better. I knew better than to let Alan out and play around because she'd be like Frisky's chew toy soon. That was my dog. I didn't name it, by the way. I knew better. God knows where we are. God knows exactly where I was on the side of that mountain. God knew exactly where John was 
in that nasty, stanky prison cell. And he was with both of us. Maybe not in the way that we asked or or, or wanted or expected, but God was there. I love this, uh, I love this saying, and it's this. Jesus came not to save us from pain and suffering, but from meaninglessness. Jesus came not to save us from pain and suffering, but from meaninglessness. Our life has meaning because of Christ. It may not be easy. I mean, you know, Tom just preached a few weeks ago about Elijah, who was blessed on the side of the mountain. And we're sitting there going, that's being blessed? You're like in a mountain, you're being chased, you're like dirty, you're filthy, you're eating stuff, that, that you're eating the roadkill that the, the, the birds bring to you? How's that being blessed? But we are amazingly blessed by God. He has saved us from meaninglessness. For Jesus, John was right where he needed to be, fulfilling God's purpose for his life. Why would he save him from that? I was right where I needed to be. And because of that, I discovered some things, which is my friends love me. I had, I had people, you know, the Bible talks about, God, you hem me in. I was hemmed in between four, three good friends, four of us. I, I had two guys in front and one in back who had me, who weren't going to let me down. I had a time of 24 hours where I was in continuous prayer with the Almighty Father. And it may have been desperate, crazy prayer, but you know what? Sometimes I need to be in that desperate, crazy prayer mode. Because when life's a little bit easy, I forget to pray. When life gets a little bit too easy, I just don't seem to have time. I had a lot of time on that mountain. Let me tell you, and I used it. I used it. I, I don't want to go back there. I really don't. I told the guys we will do another trip, but it's got to be somewhere flat. But I would never trade that experience for anything else. I learned so much about myself, my friends, and who God is. So let me just do a little review with you real quick, and the band's going to come on up. We're going to have a little time of ministry. And as you can tell, communion tables are set. And we're going to have some time with Jesus and with one another as we just eat from his table together as a family. But uh, just a, a, I want to give you four things to leave with today. And number one is this, God answers prayer always. Okay? Number two is this, it's not always the prayer we want or expect. Sometimes it is, and that's awesome. God is amazingly gracious. I can't believe some of this stuff that God allows me to have, to do, to be a part of. Blows me away. But sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait. He's God. He can do that. He knows what's best for us, even when we think we do. Third is this. God will never abandon you. His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Someone should write a song about that. It's so true. And number four is this. God answers prayer. In case you missed it on number one. God answers prayer. One time I was going through a very difficult time in my life. 
and I went up for prayer because we have, you know, we have prayer up here. And the church I was at, we had prayer up there like that. And I went up and I with this guy named Chris. I said, Chris, this is what's going on, man. I feel like my prayers are falling short. I, I feel like God's not hearing me. And if he's hearing me, he's certainly not answering me. I feel like I am in a desert. I'm in a wilderness and God is not around. He goes, well, cool. Let me pray for you, man. He, he placed his hand on my shoulder. He goes, God, if you have Tony in this wilderness, just keep him there until you teach him what you need to. I'm like, whoa, let's back this up. That's the wrong prayer, man. Hello, I need like a map, a compass, and a helicopter. And it's exactly what I needed. God taught me so much through some of the hardest times in my life. It's not a matter of, of getting everything we want. And it's not a matter of hearing from God immediately. It's a matter of being the persistent child of God as we, as our ch- own children, when they want something in a store and they grab hold of your pant leg and they're just, you got to see this. I want this, right? God, I want this. Be with me. And sometimes it's just enough to tug on the hem and be in the presence of God.